beings of love in the name of Christ to each of you this morning. And uh, certainly enjoy the challenges that we received so far, the worship. Ready for the Lord's return. That certainly the, uh, should be the prayer of each one of us. Before we go into the message, I'd just like to ask a little bit about the duration of the service next Sunday. I realize with the Vancouver trip, there's going to be a lot of you going along with that, which is good. But I was wondering if, if I could just get a show of hands of how many will not be away, but will be here for the service next Sunday. We're just trying to figure out how to have the service, uh, depending on how many. So raise your hand if you are planning to be here for the service ne- next Sunday morning. All right, we'll um, talk about that later and decide how, how we'll go about it. Um, I had thought since more of the parents are missing and more children will be here that maybe I'd have a message for the children next Sunday, something like that. And we'll have to decide about Sunday school as well. All right, um, for a message this morning, I'd like to take your thoughts to Luke chapter 8. Very familiar scripture. What? I think a powerful scripture is one that convicts me in my life. The um, thought this morning, I guess, I'd like to start with is that we, many of us, continue continually hear God's word. We have Bibles, we read it, the scriptures. We come to church, we hear it read in a devotional. We discuss it in Sunday school school classes. We hear the preaching of the word. Week after week, we are exposed to the scriptures. The question that I think we need to ask ourselves this morning is, what is that doing for us? What is it doing for us? I'd like to look at verse 15, Luke 8. The title of the message is Honesty with the Scriptures. Honesty with the Scriptures. Verse 15, But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Or the word, the word patience there with endurance, continuing, continuing to bear fruit for, for God. Now, this text is at the end of the parable of the sower. We want to read these verses from verse 4 down to verse 15. And notice this familiar parable again. And this qualifying statement is given regarding those that bear spiritual fruit in their lives. Now, we're going to read this, and there's going to be four groups of people that this scripture portrays to us. Four groups of people that hear the word of God. All of us here this morning have heard the word of God. We hear the word of God. You're hearing it again this morning. Four, four groups of people that um, and we fit 
All of us sitting here this morning will fit one of these four groups. So let's just concentrate on ourselves, not the person beside us or somebody else, but concentrate on ourselves and where do you fit in to these four groups of people? Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went forth to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, and then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should, be, they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And they which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. All of us fit into one of these three categories, I believe, as we hear the word. And this morning, the thrust of this message is not so much the details of those things. We'll talk a little bit about those. But the real question that we want to think about is, our honesty with the scriptures. Because that is going to make all the difference. If you look at this, this parable, all, all the difference between these is those who were honest with the scriptures and those who were not honest with the scriptures. And those who were not honest with the scriptures, they are like these others, you know, where the devil can just snatch it away or it fell on, you know, rocky soil because hearts were not prepared, or it fell by the, on, the way, on the wayside, fell among thorns, all those pictures give us the distinct impression that it was a heart that was not being honest with the truth that, that, it was, that was given to it. Just think with me now, what does it mean to have an honest heart as it relates to the scriptures? Well, first of all, these with an honest and a good heart is shown in comparison to other conditions of heart 
that was listed previously, which we've, we just read. Like in verse 12, those by the wayside are they that hear, and then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Because there was not a soft heart, like soft soil, where the seeds could fall into that soft soil and find some cover and some warmth and some moisture and begin to grow. No, this seed fell on a, on a, on a hard surface. It fell on the, on the wayside. It fell on the path that was packed down and hard. And so it illustrates a heart that is not soft toward God, a heart that is hard, a heart that is resisting the truth. You know, there's always that pushback. It's shallow. There, there's no depth of earth. There's no, there's, it, it's just packed down hard. And so the seed, as the word of God is preached or taught or read, that those seeds just fall on that hard surface. And guess what? Because they're exposed there, just like the birds come and, and take it away. And that's what the devil does. It, it, it does not, because there's not a soft heart. And so that is the condition of heart that we have a choice in. And so this morning, that is a condition where the word of God does not take effect because there is not an honesty about the truth of God's word. There is a carelessness. There is an indifference. It doesn't really matter. Don't take serious things serious, sacred things serious, and, and on we could go. And so that is the condition of the heart, as we have in verse 12. The next one in verse 13, they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive their word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation they fall away. So here's a little bit of soil, a little bit of shallow soil on top of rocks. And if you enjoy gardening, I enjoy gardening, you know that a rocky soil just is very frustrating to, when you try to grow something. Very frustrating. I don't like rocks in my garden. And here it is, that illustration of rocks in our hearts, which I believe we could, we could um, identify as unsubmissive areas in our life. That, it's a rock. It's not, not that softness of a pliable soil that uh, the scriptures point out is necessary and important for seed to grow. So here on the rock, there's a little bit of soil. So there's a little bit of, a, a little bit of cover for the seed that falls there. But because there's no depth of soil, there's not that deep softness of heart because this heart has rocks in it. Like I say, it's like stubbornness in areas where I'm not going to give in. I don't want to submit. I don't want to, to go here. I don't want to do this. I want to have my own way. There's rocks in that soil. And yes, there's some desire to serve God. There's some desire there to to want to be right with God, but because of the shallowness of it, the seed will spring up quickly and there's an excitement about serving Christ when it just dies out about that fast. The sun comes up, there's no depth of, of, of soil, and therefore it withers away. And we've seen that. We've seen it in the lives of people. You know, you know, we're excited about the idea of serving Christ, but they were not fully committed 
They had those still, those stubborn areas in their life where they were not willing to surrender, and therefore, after a while, they just wither spiritually. Verse 14, we have another one. That which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and have no fruit to perfection. Just like rocks, none of us like thorns in our garden either. Canada thistle or, you know, those kinds of, of weeds, thorns, they're invasive. They spread. They choke out the good seed. And that's the picture we have here. You know, with the, um, all the opportunities that we have to serve Christ and to, be the, and to bring forth a harvest, yet thistles here, or thorns, are likened to that which can choke out the spiritual life that God wants us to have. He talks about cares, riches, pleasures of this life. And so it's where we allow other things, other than a, a total focus on Christ, allowing other things to interfere with that, allowing, you know, the way we spend our time, the way we spend our, our energy, our, our resources, our view of finance and, and money and and all of those things, including the pleasures of the world. He talks about pleasures of this life. You know, the pursuit of pleasure in itself is like a thistle and thorn. It'll grow in our lives. And if we don't curb that, we don't keep that in check. You know, that desire for experiencing the pleasures of the world will choke out the spiritual life, the spiritual seed that is sown there. And so there's a lot of different practical areas that we could apply this to. And people just get caught up in things and, you know, and, you know, busyness. Some of it can even be in right things. But it's a busyness that finally chokes out the spiritual seed that has fallen, fallen into our hearts. Now, the fourth one, of course, is the good seed, verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. The difference of these four in verse 15 is the honest heart, the honest and good heart. Now, it's awful hard for us without the Spirit of God within us to be really honest with ourselves. Because there's that strong bias that we have about ourselves and about the way we do things about the way we, we live our lives. And without an honesty that opens our hearts to the, um, to the uh, presence and power, the revelation of the Holy Spirit to us, it is very difficult for us to be honest with ourselves. Now, we have the conscience, and when there is that sincere desire to do that, I believe God will reveal himself to us. But, you know, as long as we're, we are... Uh, less than fully committed to Christ, there's going to be that, that aspect where we are going to have a shallowness because of trying to, to have other things in our lives without that full and complete surrender. The good ground in verse 15, if you can imagine this with me, is that deep, soft uh, topsoil you know, that is, that is deep and it is, is moist and it's, 
it's 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 just opened up and fertile and you can you just love to put seeds in the ground like that because you just know they're going to grow that's the good heart because we have allowed the holy spirit to take out those rocks to kill those thorns to loosen up that that heart that hard pack in our life and so that that the the, the seed of, of god the seed of christ the seed of the word can can be there and grow and bring forth a hundredfold. Now, I think this verse also teaches us that unless we have a genuine honesty about ourselves before God, we will be a fruitless Christian. That's very elementary. Because, but that's, that's the teaching here. So that it's the honest and good heart that is connected with the bringing forth of a hundredfold, a spiritual uh, harvest in our lives. You know, pretending isn't going to produce good fruit. Um, there can be a lot of leaves. And you think about that um, store there, the fig tree. And Jesus came there and wanted, because he was hungry, he wanted some fruit off of that fig tree. And what does the Bible say when he found on that fig tree? Only leaves. It had only leaves. And so you think about that in relation to to a, a harvest that God is looking for, you know, pretending. It may look good, but there's no fruit there because there's not that genuine honesty. You know, it may look okay for a while, but the truth will soon come out and the revelation will soon be there for all to see that there was a shallowness. It looked good for a bit, but it faded because there was not that, that source of life. It also, first of all, is a genuine honesty about the true condition of our heart. And that's where I believe the difference of those who will make it safely through the Christian life, through the battles of life, and all the way to eternity, the saints who arrive there successfully are going to be those who were honest about their heart with the Word of God. It's really that a simple truth. And those who don't, don't make it spiritually are those who, are, who were not honest about the true condition of their heart before God. And so that's the challenge for us this morning, to think about, am I really being honest with God and the, and the scriptures about my heart? I can sit here, I can, you know, talk in Sunday school, we, we can do all kinds of things. But that in itself is not the proof. It's finally that endurance, bringing forth fruit with, with patience. Also, uh, with that is... Um, I think there's times that we can actually almost think that God could be fooled uh, into accepting our charade. You know, our, our performance that we think, you know, is probably good enough or that God should accept this. But again, it's not honesty with the scriptures because God's the one who sets the guidelines. God's the one who sets the terms. He's the one that is looking for that fruit. And so we cannot fool him either in relation to our lives. Now, it is... Also, an honesty that invites scrutiny and examination. We, all, we understand accountability. You know, and accountability and honesty go together. They always go together. But there's a part of us in our old nature that doesn't like accountability. But you think about this thought here of, you know, look, God looking on. You know, and understanding the, the, you can say the, like verse 10, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. 
And and this whole thought of 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 bearing a harvest that that God will accept. You know, honesty, this kind of honesty invites scrutiny and examination. And that's why God has designed for us as Christians to function in a spiritual brotherhood. Because that's where we do find uh, that scrutiny. That's where we do find that accountability. That's where we do find that examination in relation to the harvest, the fruit of our lives. You know, and, and so in thinking of this, that kind of honesty means how we relate to each other. And we could ask this question, you know, when was the last time in a time of struggle or maybe even defeat that you went to someone or I went to someone and sincerely asked, what am I missing in my life? You see, we invite that if we have that honest heart, that sincere heart to say, I want the seed of the word of God to bear full fruit in my life. There's times which we may not have realized that some area of struggle in my heart or your heart was actually a rock or was actually a patch of thistle or maybe it was just a hardness in a certain area. And so the word of God was not taking root in my life. I may have been struggling spiritually and maybe in, in, in spiritual defeat because I'm missing something. I'm not, I'm not seeing something for what it really is. So honesty says, you know, can you help me? Can you show me why I'm struggling with this? There's a deeper reason many times. And, and this all is involved, I believe, in this whole thought of honesty, a kind of honesty that invites that kind of scrutiny and examination. It's, account it's accountable. Also, it is an honesty that includes the desire to change and conform to the scriptures as needed. Why be honest if you don't do anything about it? You know, so if it's an honesty that, that says, you know, if I'm going to be honest about this, I'm going to have to do something about it. You know with me how it is. You go away from a church service sometimes. You say, that was, just, that was a good service. Or that was a good truth that was shared this morning. And that's good to do that. We can talk about that. But you know, the question we need to ask is, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to change anything? Oh, that was good. True honesty is going to say, if it was good, I'm probably going to need to do something about it. I'm going to need to change something. I'm going to need to conform. I'm going to need to confess something. I'm going to need to do something about this. That's honesty. James 1, 23 and 24, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, you know, it's easy to hear and say, that was really good, but, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a, a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I've been there in my life far too many times when I've said, you know, that was a good message that really hit the nail on the head. But did it change anything about my life? That's the question we need to ask. What, what do we do about it? A hearer 
but not a doer. Well, an honest heart will not succumb to excuses and lies. And this is one of the fascinating things about the way our minds are made. It's also a scary thing about the way our minds are made. Because we can deceive ourselves into thinking, or I should say we can deceive ourselves into believing our own excuses and our own lies. You can convince yourself that you're right when you're, you're dead wrong. That's self-deception. The Bible would, would teach that. But it's something we ought to think about. You know, an honest heart will not succumb to excuses and lies. And so think of it this way. There are a lot of ways in which you and I can try to wiggle around our accountability to the Scriptures and try to justify ourselves. I've done it. You've done it. We all have done it. I've seen it done by others. You as, you as well. You know, wiggling around this, you know, a, a teaching of Scripture or something, you know, that the Word of God clearly says and we just don't really want to go there. And we just, I've seen people do acrobatic stunts practically, you know, spiritually to try to get out around a Scripture that they didn't want to deal with. It's, it's just amazing. It's not honesty. It's where a lot of Christendom is today. I mean, there's... The, the, the landscape is just, is, you know, Christian, nominal Christianity is just full of this. It can come very close home to us. You know, when the Lord puts his finger on something in my life or your life, it's like... I just don't want to go there. I just don't want to do that. We can do it by comparing ourselves to others. Well, a lot of other people do it. It must, must be okay. That's not honesty with the scriptures. We can downplay it. It's just a little thing, nothing, nothing serious. We could deflect the truth. Glad so, glad so and so was there and heard that. What about me? There could be what I would you could call, which is probably a misnomer, but selective honesty. I've seen this one used often, and I've used it in my carnal moments as well. Selective honesty. Really pinpointing this one thing. And, and hold to certain excuses or things in this idea of selective honesty. I've watched this over the years in relation to church life. I remember many years ago, had a friend I got to know, visited often. He said, you know, I would, I disagree with your, what you believe as a church, as a congregation. I agree with it 100% but one thing. That is you allow internal combustion engines. If you would outrule those, then I would join. I, I, I could, 
accept that. Later came out he was divorced and remarried, by the way. But we only got to that later. I didn't, I, I didn't realize it at that point. Um, another family, another situation, they said, if you would um, not have a pulpit up here, but use only a table to preach at, I could become a member with you. I could accept it. The rest I agree with. Another one years ago said, if you would outlaw all computers, everything else I agree with, just, just outlaw all computers, then I could be a member with you. I, I could join your church. But it was a stark case of a woman out of her place completely. And you, you just, the list could go on. I'm only pointing out how there's a human tendency to be selectively honest. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Seventh place, an honest heart will not be satisfied with merely meeting the status quo, which means what I'm expected to do. You know, there's a certain status quo that, you know, in a sense of what I'm, what people would expect of me. So that's not being just satisfied, just looking good to others. That could be like living a, a double life, which is, can be a real temptation at times. But it's lack of honesty when we do that. You know, we kind of operate in a certain way here when we're out of, out, out by ourselves or away from others versus what I would do with my church brethren, say. You know, that, that kind of, that kind of just being satisfied to meet the status quo. Staying out of trouble that way, but not really being honest about what's going on in my heart, in my life. Or just satisfied as long as I can impress others by doing what they would expect me to do as a Christian. But then when I'm free and not accountable, I do my own thing. A person with an honest heart will appreciate the opportunities for reading and studying the scriptures. You know, that, that is always, I think, a gauge that we can think about with ourselves. I know we all could say we could do a lot more reading and studying, and I, I understand that we always will be able to say that probably. But what is my true heart condition about the scriptures? Where do I turn to fill the needs of my soul? Where do I turn? What is that deep desire in the end in pleasing God, in pleasing Christ? You know, how easy do I miss the gathering of the saints or the studying or the preaching of the word or, you know, all those situations? How easily can I just miss that, ignore that? Yeah, there's always things, yes, that we have other things to do sometimes that are important and, and are fine, but if we start to feel ourselves drawing away, pulling away, it's a danger sign because it usually is an indication of a hardening of heart. Lastly, how can we keep an honest heart and bear fruit? Verse 15, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart Having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. 
We keep the word in our hearts by believing is God's only and final revelation to us. If you think about the power of the scriptures and the importance of the scriptures, by believing and understanding the, the power of the scriptures to change our hearts. And it is the only thing that has power to cleanse and to save us. And therefore we need to hold this dear, you know what I mean, and, and, and to love it because it's the word of God to us. And it's what's going to save us by following it and living it. We keep the word in our heart primarily by living it out in everyday life. It's not just a head knowledge of the scriptures, but it's that knowledge of the scriptures that is lived out every day of our lives, representing Christ. We keep the, the word through spirit, Holy Spirit illumination. And again, coming back to this idea of honesty with the scriptures, you know, because a sincere honesty with the scriptures opens the door for Holy Spirit light and truth. The, um, Jesus said, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. And too much human, human reasoning enters into to people's lives when they say, well, I want to know and, uh, and understand this before I'm going to follow it or accept it. But you know, the sincere honesty as a Christian before God is that we are willing to do what, what Christ asks of us. And then his will is, will is further revealed to us. It is Holy Spirit, light and truth. And so there's that Holy Spirit illumination. We will, all, we will be blessed also with enduring fruit to life eternal. I believe it is one of the blessings. And you notice here that it is, is bringing forth fruit with patience or endurance. And, and therefore, there's that ongoing uh, relationship with Christ that will keep you know, the, our, the, the soil of our hearts soft. It will not become trodden down. It will keep the rocks of stubbornness out of our hearts, and it will also keep the thorns away as we keep that soft, honest heart toward Christ. John 15, verse 2 says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So the question for us this morning is, how honest are we with the Scriptures? Say, well, I believe that the Scriptures are the Word of God. Well, if we're honest, then we have to live it out. I've enjoyed, and I've talked about this before, just that innocent faith of some of the Bangladeshi and Rohingya Christians new in the faith, fresh out of a Muslim culture. And they just read the scriptures. And they find something there and say, well, if that's what God wants us to do, we're going to figure out how to do it. Remember the Jesuit priest, I believe that was, that was converted there in New York City? The mission there was reading one day about, you know, Jesus saying about the righteous there before him, on Judgment Day, said you fed the hungry, you clothed the naked, and so on. And he called up one of the brothers and said, I don't know if I'm doing this. How, how am I supposed to do this? How can I do this so that I can be right with God on Judgment Day? That kind of innocence, that kind of honesty 
If the Bible says it, then we need to figure out how to do it. And so the, the question is, how honest are we with ourselves, with our own hearts? The danger is, we can come and hear the word of God, and that's a, a good thing. But if we continue in hearing the word of God to, to block and to fail to respond in a positive way to what Christ wants of us, at some point it's going to go one way or the other. It's, it, it's going to harden us. Sometimes we call it gospel hardness. You hear the word of God, but you refuse to do it. There's a hardening process that happens. If we're sincere and honest, we hear the word of God, and there's a softening that happens. It's going to be one or the other. And so just think of this this, this morning in relation to your own heart. Am I being honest before God? before the scriptures, with the scriptures. There's a song we sing sometimes called The Christian's Passport. The saint who enters heaven, who comes of royal birth, or dwells with all the sanctified, is first a saint on earth. To walk in heaven's sunlight, to see its glories there, and he who dwells with all the blessed, First sees God's sunlight here. Who shines in that bright world or wears a blood-washed robe finds the first ray of brightness gleam while yet in this abode. Who joins the jubilee or sings with the glad throng or shouts with all that happy choir on earth first heard the song. To those who enter heaven and rest in tranquil ease on earth first sought Christ's righteousness and found his promises. And when they reached the port, the language all aglow stands on the passport at the gate. You first found heaven below. May God help us this morning again as we're challenged by this. Take this honest look at ourselves, at our own hearts. And what is the seed of the word of God allowed to do in us? Are we softer or are we harder for exposing ourselves to the scriptures? Let's kneel to pray. Thank you, Father, for the teaching you give to us, the words of Jesus to us, as he desires all of us this morning to have that soft heart, that heart of, of flesh, that is soft and allow you to uh, fill us and, and plant your seeds of truth deep within our hearts and our souls. We can respond to you and, and serve you and have that, um, that crop, that harvest of blessing because of the work of your Holy Spirit within each of us. Father, we pray that where there's any stones or rocks of stubbornness in our hearts, where there are patches of thistles, because of, of being just too busy or, or doing, doing too much or allowing the pleasures of the world to attract us. And Father, we pray that you would help us to, to, to crucify these things and to focus on your love and truth. 
And Father, we just pray you continue blessing upon each of us as we seek to serve you. And we thank you for the many that are in faithful service and bringing forth that, that great harvest, that hundredfold. And we just pray you bless them in their faithfulness. And all of us, Father, that we might each continue to serve you with endurance, with patience, and be able to attain that eternal world because of your work in our hearts. We ask in the name of Christ. Amen.